Appreciate Brother Albury being willing to speak tonight. Um, we, there are things we all know about Brother Albury. Um, he has a PhD, taught at Alabama, Roll Tide, went to Texas A&M, all that, and um, he and Jen have been uh, members here for many, many years when the, when the kids were little and we're all in college now. And so a blessing. But the thing I appreciate about him is not all that other stuff. I mean, he's head of the Jupiter Water Department, all that. No, I appreciate the way with enthusiasm he teaches our little ones. And not too proud to uh, be used of God to teach our little ones with all that enthusiasm. He does it every week. And so I'm grateful for that. And so um, looking forward to hearing what the Lord laid on his heart for us tonight. God bless you, buddy. Awesome. I, I do normally teach on Wednesday nights, but normally it's to a somewhat younger crowd um, than, than what's in here tonight. I do see some of my people in here. Uh, and, and if I get nervous, I figured, Savannah, I would just ask you a question because you always have the right answer and that would give me time to like calm down. But I'm not that nervous yet. Anyways, uh, it, Wednesday, it's Wednesday night. I tell the kids on Wednesday night, it's my favorite night of the week. It's a chance for us to come together, and we're not with the world, and we're not in school, and we're not in the craziness, and we're, in, we're at, at God's house, and we can study God's word, and what a, an amazing blessing that is. So let's pray. Dear Father, we pray to you this evening. Lord, we are grateful, uh, eternally grateful, to be able to open your word and to understand who you are and to understand how much you love us and to understand that you have desires for our life, that you have plans for us, and Lord, that you, you want to bless us, Lord, and that you want to know us and have fellowship, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your love, dear Lord. We thank you for the scriptures, which are, are incredibly complex and so simple and so beautiful. I pray you'd speak through me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So of also, kids, I'm not always succinct. I actually typed out my notes because a bunch of adults in here might judge me more than y'all do. So I'm going to try and be succinct. <clears throat> so the, they got the title up there, Wasted Blessings. The title of the lesson tonight is Wasted Blessings out of Exodus 32. Got the reference right. Um, but I want to start out with the, with the kids. We always like try and give context and picture. And I don't know, you know, if you've been going to church your whole life, this might bore you. Um, but if you haven't been going to church your whole life, maybe this will be interesting to you. And so what's going on in Exodus? Exodus, of course, is the book after Genesis, right? So it's like the easiest, second easiest book to find. Uh, Exodus means a going out, and it records the departure of Israel or the children of Israel. They're often called the departure of the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt and their journey to the promised land. Exodus tells us of Moses' birth, how he was hid by his mother and then put out in a reed basket and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. And then Pharaoh's daughter paid his mom to nurse him that God can provide better than you can ever conceive. And if that isn't an example of it, I don't know what is. He refused, Hebrews tells us he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath of the king. He fled into the desert. He saw the burning bush. Of course, he had to take his shoes off. We know that story was on holy ground. He heard God's call to deliver Israel from the oppressive bondage of the Egyptians. And it's curious, I love it when scripture interprets scripture. And we get that in Acts 7. We get the why. 
Why? Acts 7, 34, I have God speaking. I've seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I've heard their groanings and am come down to deliver them. Man, that's gorgeous, right? We know that, that Israel, the children of Israel, being in Egypt, being in bondage, that's a picture of sin, and we see that only God can deliver them, and he wants to deliver them. So we understand that God delivers them from the Egyptians, and before Moses even begins the work of redeeming Israel, of course, he's the, the vehicle that God uses. Uh, God warns him that it will be a tough but rewarding job, and if you know me, you know I, I, I like work, and so I, this would have been a remarkable task to have been given. Exodus 3.19, he says, and I am sure, this is God speaking. This is, this is so miraculous to me. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand. And you know God's hand is, is, is all-powerful. He says, I will stretch out my hand, and I will smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow. Women are always doing the work, guys. Anyway, so the women are going to borrow of their neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment or clothing. And you shall put them upon your sons, apparently, um, anyways, you'll put them on your sons, upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. This is in Exodus 3. They don't get to bust out until a, a bit later. And so God prophesies. He's like, it's going to be hard, but I am going to deliver you. And when I deliver you, though you are the servants, though you're in bondage, you're going to spoil this great people that you're going to come out of. Over and over and over, Moses and Aaron approached Pharaoh with their simple message, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may serve me. It was a clear, they were like, let God's people go. We're going to go out and we're going to serve God. And, and Pharaoh was just a complete mess. He would like waffle around and know. Enduring incredible plagues, not only Pharaoh, but actually the Egyptians, the Nile turned to blood. I was so tempted to ask the, the Beacon Kids Club if they could say these, but, but I failed, so I'm not going to put you up to it. Nile turned to blood. They had frogs, they had lice, they had flies, they had death of livestock, they had boils and blisters, they had hail, they had locusts, honestly, my favorite. They had darkness outside, but light within the dwellings of the Israelites. Don't you know that killed people? They're like, dude, what kind of candle y'all got going on in that house over there? And they're like, no, man, there's no candles, just like the ceiling is radiant. God was so marvelous with his plagues. Pharaoh continuously hardened his heart, and he refused to let Israel go. Ultimately, the first Passover and the resulting death of the firstborn leads to Pharaoh and all Egypt urgently sending Israel out to worship the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And on their way out, Israel, though a vagabond group of slaves, spoils the Egyptians simply by asking for their silver, gold, and clothing on the way out. Reminds me of ye have not because ye ask not, right? Think about the people who went out, and now they're out, and they're like, dude, where'd you get all that stuff? And they're like, bro, we just like asked our neighbors. They gave it all to us. And then the people that didn't ask, right, because they were like, oh, no, I can't ask. They're like, 
can I have some of your stuff? They're like, bro, all the stuff was back in Egypt, and you're too dumb to ask. You ain't getting any of my stuff. You know that happened. People are people. I guarantee that happened, right? You know it did because they're no different than you and I. You know if we were like pastor told us tonight, everyone before you do, you know, like, I don't know, some percentage are going to and some aren't. And then the people that don't, they're like, well, wait, where, where's mine? Anyways, Exodus 12, 29, it came to pass. This is the scriptures, right? They're just so glorious. It came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, literally from Pharaoh to the guy in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Of course, except for those houses that had the blood that had been applied. And he called Moses and Aaron. So Pharaoh calls Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get you forth from among my people, both ye and your children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone. Bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we all be dead men. And the people took their dough, the Egyptians, right? That's why Passover is unleavened bread, right? They took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and gold and raiment, just like God said. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they, the Egyptians, lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. James 1.17 applies today, it applied then. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And whether you're spoiling the Egyptians, or whether you're working hard for a hard day's wage, or whatever other good gift and blessing you have, it comes from above, and we look up and say thank you. Of course, life's never simple. Egypt, they were walking, right? You want to think of them on their high horse rolling out of Egypt, but they're walking, and they're like, we have done it. This is the greatest. But life's never simple, and the bad guys never give up. I hate scary movies, but if you watch a scary movie ever, they don't, they just keep walking. It's terrible. Anyways, the bad guys never give up. Pharaoh doesn't give up either. So Pharaoh rallies his army armed with chariots and horses to recapture and or kill Israel. It appears Pharaoh's army is going to achieve the ultimate triumph on the banks of the Red Sea where Israel appears trapped. Of course, kids club students know what happens. Cloud separates the cloud, right? It was a fire at night, cloud in the day. It separates between God's people, children of Israel, and Pharaoh's people. Moses stretches out his hands, and God caused the Red Sea to be divided so that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Blinded by rage, Pharaoh's army pursues Israel across the Red Sea, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea as the waters returned. They stood as walls, it says, and they go through Israel. Here they come. Remember, every time Moses threw down his stick, Pharaoh would have his wise men throw down theirs and all the same stuff. And he'd be like, oh, water's divided. I'm going. 
and except it didn't stay divided for him. The epic stories in Exodus are too numerous to tell. Bitter waters, waters of Mara were made sweet. It's Mara over there. I don't see her. Not to somewhere. There she is. Hey, Mara. Mara was the sweet version. God miraculously provides manna. That's one of my favorite stories. I tell the kids, I'm sure they tasted like animal crackers. Read it, study it, you'll figure that out. Chapter 20, Moses receives the Ten Commandments. Ultimately, in Exodus, the tabernacle's constructed. Amazing things, all of these amazing things. In Exodus 20, with the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 18, and all the people, I'm doing fine on time, by the way. Kids are like, this joker is going to go over, I know it. Anyways, all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. This is great. Lauren's here. I'm telling her. When she was pretty little, we were having a debate and discussion, not a debate, a discussion. And uh, we, were, we were having this discussion about the fear of God. And, and finally, I was like, well, what do you, and she's like, I think the fear of God is just understanding God's power. I've not been able to come up with a better explanation of the fear of God than that. And that's from her as a little girl. He says that you may fear that, that and that his fear, your understanding of his power, may be before your faces, why that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Can you imagine Moses walking to Mount Sinai, and it's enshrouded in the dark clouds, and at some point he just disappears into the darkness. And all the Egyptians, they're like back, or sorry, the Israelites, they're back, and they're freaked out. Note, the people directed Moses, this is sad, the people directed Moses to be their intermediary between them and God. They didn't want to hear directly from God. So for the next 12 chapters, this is Exodus 22, 32, Moses received instruction from God. He received the law, instructions for building the tabernacle, how to deal with the priests and their clothing, burnt offerings, all of these miraculous things. And while all this is going on between God and Moses on Mount Sinai, 40 days and 40 nights, the people were growing restless and impatient because we, humanity, are so pitiful. Exodus 32, and so here we're going to pick it up with uh, the scripture. I always like to read a lot of scripture when I'm teaching because the word of God won't return void and like it, it takes the burden off of me. If I just read enough scripture, you're bound to get something good because it's the word of God, right? So Exodus 32.1, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, again, it's 40 days, 40 nights, so it's not like it's been 15 minutes, but still it hasn't been like 10 years either. People saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, I'm sure they gestured to the mountain that was covered in clouds, or maybe if it was night, they could see the fire. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, I would like to think Aaron would have looked and been like, are y'all crazy? 
Like, what even? Or did he be like, hey, that's a great idea. Let's go do it. Like, seriously, Aaron, how are you going to answer anything other than all, are y'all crazy? Except Aaron just goes right into action. He's like, hey, great. Break off the golden earrings, right? Verse 2, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives and your sons. There it is. The boys wore earrings in the Old Testament. And of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people were like, yeah, that's cool. Here, and they broke off all the golden earrings which are in their ears and brought them on Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he made it a molten calf. And they said, this absolutely kills me. They said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. If you ever need any reminder of how pitiful all humanity is that verse right there if that doesn't do it for you I don't know what will like literally you're hanging out in Egypt and God's doing signs and wonders it's light inside your house and dark outside and light has not been invented like light switches they don't exist all the craziness that goes on you lived through that the, first, the death of the firstborn you put the blood on you had your unleavened bread ready to roll all of it comes to pass exactly like Moses said, as God said. You heard the Ten Commandments articulated in chapter 20. All of this amazing deliverance of God, and you wait for 40 days, and you're like, I can't handle it anymore. Make us a God, and we'll just proclaim that that God that we made with our own hands, we'll proclaim that that's what delivered us. We are. All are so pitiful. And if you don't think, if you're like on a high horse right now, like, man, I'm so holy, I couldn't conceive, give yourself a little time. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow's a feast of the Lord. And they, and that, that Lord's like Jehovah, right? What? And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play like it's all cool. We just made our own God and pretended that he delivered us. This Lord, hear you, Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. He's a jealous God. Never mind any of that. Let's just pretend everything's cool. And the Lord said unto Moses, go, get thee down. Watch what God says. For thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. It's funny. I, I don't mean this sacrilegiously. If you know me, I obviously reverence and fear God. But it reminds me of when God shows up and Adam's like, dude, that woman you gave me did this. And God's like, hey, Moses, you're crazy people down there. I just think that's so funny. Anyways. God says to Moses, verse 8, They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And I bet God had like a sarcastic tone in his voice when he said it. Verse 15, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. Moses is holding the two stone tablets. 
It says the tablets were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other side were they written, and the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tablets. Moses is rolling down the hill carrying these stone tablets. It came to pass, 19, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount, And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink it. This is the craziest thing in the world. Like I said, I love it whenever scripture interprets scripture because it's actually the only interpretation you can ever be confident of. You can't be confident in me because I'm no different than you are. And I'm trying to read with earnest faith, knowing the goodness of God and the truth of his scriptures. But I'm still no different than you. But when scripture interprets scripture, you're like, yeah, that's gold standard. So Acts 7.39, it's implied Moses, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him, and they made a calf. And so it's interpreted in the scripture. Why did they go make this scripture? It says their hearts turned back again into Egypt. And man, if you're here and you're saved, you know you were the old man and you are a new person, right? A new creature in Christ. And you know, why God made us this way is is hard to comprehend, but that old nature just wants to drag you down, right? And so it is an active effort of being in the scripture and seeking God and recognizing his goodness. When you're literally walking out the morning that the death angel deal went down and all the dead people you it, it's easy. you're like straight and narrow. I'm not stepping out of line because it's pretty obvious what's going on. When you have that mountaintop experience, right, and you're there with Peter and Jesus shows up and it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God, but then all of a sudden you're like out 40 days later, like, anyone seen Moses around here? And our carnal nature is so pitiful. It says their hearts turn back again into Egypt. So to wrap all this up, title of the the lesson tonight is Wasted Blessings. What was wasted? Actually, let me me just reread this part here. I don't know if y'all know, but the pastor said I work in water. I don't work water. I work in wastewater, which is sewage, which is the dirty end of water. Clean water, anyone can do that. We take wastewater, (laughs) dirty water, and we treat it at a very high level so that it can be recycled to be put to good use. And so, with that in mind, I need you to think with me on uh, verse 20. So, Exodus 32, 20. And he, Moses, took the calf which they had made. He burns it in the fire. He grinds it to powder. I don't know. Did he have a file? Did he file it down, Chris? Like he had, I don't know, something. He had something. He grinds the calf to powder, straws it upon the water, and made the children to drink it. So don't answer this question out loud, but think in your head, where's the gold? 
there's literally only one place that it can be. It's in the dung heap outside the camp. And it's ground into fine powder. And this isn't like Friday Night Gold Rush episode 47 where they're like sieving the dung. That gold was never recovered. And so in your life, God provides for all of us beyond what we imagine because God is better than we ever conceived and he wants better for us than we understand. And God provides this amazing blessing. They literally spoil Egypt of no might of their own and walk out burdened with gold, silver, and clothing that is guaranteed to last them for the next 40 years. They don't know this, but we know this. They're weighted down with blessings. The blessings that were wasted, that calf, 100% of that calf got ground into unrecoverable fine powder and was left in a dung heap outside of the camp. And don't think that the greatest blessing that God gives you, of course not your salvation, but material blessing, don't think that God won't have you deposit that in a dung heap if you set that up and start worshiping it. And it's tragic. We are all human. We're all like talents and things and vanity. We're like, I am the greatest. No, you'll find yourself in a dung heap, right? You're not. And the things aren't. God is the greatest. And it's God who's given those gifts and talents and luxuries. And he deserves our praise and worship, not we or not the stuff. And so we see the blessings were given to meet their needs, but they actually, they robbed their fellowship with God. When they took that, that gold guaranteed would have lasted them 40 years. We're going to talk about what they could have used it for. When they took it and made a calf, what, what do they do? Oh, I don't know. Hey, this, uh, you shall not make... Uh, not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto me gods of gold. Exodus 20. They've already lived through that, so this isn't like a secret. They know this. So you shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make gods of gold. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth it shall die. That blessing literally became a stumbling block and a curse to them. What else? What other wasted blessing? God provided all of that. In Exodus, we actually read about how they're going to make the temple. It's so detailed. It's remarkable. It's so detailed. And they got these doohickeys, and they're gold-covered, and they got this great big cloth, and it's pretty awesome. They got these other things, and they're gold-covered, and they're just pure gold things, and they're all these jewels. The gold that was left in the dung heap could never be used in the temple or in the tabernacle. That's heartbreaking. Whether it's the tabernacle or it's Solomon's temple, God could care less about the gold because he will have it all run down and be plundered to the last ounce. It is not what he's focused on. And finally, I'm going to be more or less on time. So the wasted blessing, they robbed themselves because they broke their fellowship with God by worshiping an idol. They robbed God because they took what could have been used profitably, beautifully in the tabernacle to worship God and, and adorn the, the tabernacle. But they also robbed their wives and children. Exodus 32.2, it's like right there. Aaron says to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them unto me. Ashley's not here, so I'll 
talk about her. She got a real pretty pair of earrings this year for Christmas. I'm assuming if I went up and was like, yo, Ash, hey, hook me up with those gold earrings. I want to use them incorrectly, and God's going to leave them in a dunghill somewhere. She'd be like, are you crazy? I'm not giving you my earrings. Right? So the clothing, when, when God tells them to ask for the raiment, he's like, put it on your sons and daughters. It's going to last. These are blessings that God had preordained that would last because he knew what was coming. God knows what's coming. And the way that they squandered these blessings, they robbed themselves, they robbed God, and they actually robbed their wives and children. They literally took the blessings of God away from their wives and children and squandered them in making an idol. God took the gold he intended to be a material blessing to the children of Israel and substance to be used to adorn his tabernacle and deposited it in the dung heap in such a way that it could never be recovered. Have you considered the gifts that God has miraculously provided in your life? And like literally we could go around, it could be like a long confessional blessing time. God's blessed me in this way. God's blessed me in this way. Everyone in here, if you simply thought, you would surely be able to say, yes, God has blessed me. Now, look at the blessing, whatever it is. It could be a material thing or it could be whatever, an opportunity. And don't squander that blessing or don't use that blessing in such a way that it breaks your fellowship with God. Or, or it detracts from your ability and opportunity to worship God. Because I promise you, those blessings will wind up in a dung heap no different than the gold here. The blessings are not important to God. The material is meaningless to God. Your life and your fellowship and your worship, that's what God cares about. And by extension, that's exactly what we should be focused on. Acts 7.39 says their hearts turned back again to Egypt. They left nothing that they needed in Egypt, and they had the literal promised land ahead of them. And on the way to the promised land, they got bored like all humanity. And were like, man, it was good back there. Are they crazy? It's so easy for us to see them and say, obviously, this is a travesty. But the challenge is think in your own actual life. Where are you doing the same thing? Because we are, we're all human, we're no different than them. Where are you doing the same thing? And think of the application, right? What am I exalting? What am I worshiping? Which was a blessing, and the blessing, I've now allowed it to become an idol, and it's totally robbed me of blessings with God. Let's pray. Father, we pray to you this evening, Lord, we... we are humbled by your goodness and long-suffering and patience. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as each of us, Lord, as each of us work out our salvation. Lord, I pray that you would help us to seek you in truth and worship you in the way that you want us to, Lord, single-minded, focused on you and your goodness and being your ambassador to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. 
That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.